I'm Minhaj Jina and you're listening to Voices of the City, a project of Broad Street Radio. Some people live like and some people don't. How can one person be a millionaire and another person don't have food to eat in this place? And incidentally, it's a group of people that look similar. And incidentally, it's another group that's worse off than, that looks similar. It's almost like, what the fuck is that about? I thought it's a democratic country. Some people are rich and some people never get broke because they, they got wealth. You are listening to Voices of the City, hosted by Minhaj Jina and produced by Volume. The six-part series will explore race, history and resistance through hip-hop culture in Cape Town from the late 1980s until today. In this episode, we're in Hangberg with Isaac Mutant. For the sake of the listeners, tell us where we're sitting right now. We're sitting in the backyard of, um, of, of my bike backyard and on the mountain in Hangberg in Houtbuy, uh, <clears throat> it's on the coast, right next to Landadno. Sitting on the mountain is where I live. And what does this place mean to you? I was so blessed, bro, like to be given this, uh, this piece of land uh, to build this spot for my, for my family. And actually feel like a man, fi- find some purpose, you know, as a man. And uh, I like to believe in everything that was temporary, right? So I feel like Jal like blessed me the spot to, to be a caretaker temporarily. Till I pass in and like, you know, and I don't know what happens after that. So, but yeah, to, to find purpose in Cape Town as a man, you wouldn't believe what that, what that means to me, bro. And you've been living here for how long? I think six years. I, we lived three years that side. We, we rented a Wendy house. Okay. This is the other side of this. Like five minutes from here. And uh, we've been... In, in Angbe. Yeah. So, okay. This is the third year on this, on this site, I think. Yeah, yeah we, we moved on this, to this site like the year before last. I built the spot um, before, right through last year. This is the third year. So six years. Yeah. We've been and living here. Why did you decide to come here? Bunch of reasons. I was pushed at white people, number one, um, to be honest. Uh, we moved here the same day that I landed from, from Europe, the last two. I didn't get paid. I was screwed actually about it because I had an opinion about everything. This is the one of the last communities that people are actually, you know, people are actually connected. One of the last places like that. This is the safest place in Cape, in Cape Flats that I can know of. So my daughter did go to school here like, they, before COVID. And there's a lot of eyes on her, I can guarantee you, you see. People will tell you, everybody's connected here, everybody's got some relation, you know, blood relation. So that's one of the few places that I can think of that's safe, that someone can actually walk at night. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we, why we moved here. These people are knee, knee deep in this, in this battle, in this, in this revolution, bro. They've been, they been fucking done and marginalized for real, yeah, for real. And what is this fight? How does this fight look? So the fight is really, the color thing is real in this country. From a music point of view, this game is rigged. Our people is not winning, it's not to the benefit of our people. I'm Isaac Newton, so it's a, it's a lot of people that like call me a legend, right? I don't like to use that titles because titles are bullshit. There's some people that would class me in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the category of legends, right? That means Bob Marley, Jimmy Hendrix, and these are these ones, and I struggle. And the meanwhile, Jack Perro on the other end, which I taught me, I literally, me and Scallywag, we, we were in a crew. We taught that bro literally how to rap. It's not even a lie, it's not even my opinion, it's a fucking fact. That dude got a roll up at Sam Sandwich with a fucking Harley Davidson. Do you know what a Harley Davidson costs? And I love Zander, it's my bra, but, but fuck that shit. Ninja on the other end got, has got millions. I've heard he owns like a part of so Table Mountain. That's some bullshit. And they jack my shit. And it's a fucking fact. Our shit. You see? Um, every time a white, uh, another white MC comes up, he comes to the ghetto. 
colored ghetto or the black ghetto. You can jack out shit and, and it gets famous. It's all, it's a fucking fact. It's not even my opinion. I know I'm not supposed to say this. I'm supposed to be diplomatic and blah, blah, blah. The game is blah, blah, blah. But I'm Isaac Newton. I don't give a fuck. I say it the way it is. So um, that's that's really the enemy. That's what's clapping. That's that's what's up. So it seems like a lot of a lot of what you're saying, a lot of your music as well is about being real, about representing who you are. Okay, yeah, that's a bit there, yeah. I think people like, like the Antwoord like Jack Perro, seems like they're incredibly successful because they are, they're not they doing are, that. They're um, not doing they, that. They, they, they're misrepresenting who they are and they're co-opting. You know, that's very interesting. A few years ago, we, went, we spoke to this PR person, uh, Tukum, and I was over Tukum. So we asked this chick, like, yo, give us advice, you know. Like, personally, like, I know we, we, there was a bunch of mistakes we made, you know, as a group, but I'm not going to go into that now. So this person said very, some, very, something in, very interesting. So she said the problem is with Dukum, or the difference is with Dukum and the Anwar. Dukum is a bit too real. South Africa, South Africa is a bit scared for that. Mm. It's a bit too real. The, what Ninja does, or what the Anwar does is, they scare people. It's almost like what do the theater, watching a horror movie, right? You know you're gonna get scared when you watch that thing. And you're scared that moment you watch it, but you know it's not real, then you can go back to the real world. Yo, that was, and you have a laugh about it. Yo, that's, so they would do some fantas, some fantastic stuff like that, but like a butterfly would come out of this, uh, you know, out of your lander's mouth. They keep reminding people it's not real. It's only, it's only a fantasy. It's only, you know, that sort of a thing. It's an art construct, is what you call it. Yeah. The thing is with Dukum or with Isaac Newton, it's a bit too real. It's a bit too close to home. It reminds people of like the real, you know, the, the, what the world is really where we are at. I think that was a problem with Lani who pushed the song that that, um, that scared white people really. Yeah. I think that's the problem. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm still standing, you know, I was, but that was the aim in the beginning, to get more real, to be, be as real as possible. I don't know man, um, I think everybody's real the moment you were born you're real. I would like to fucking just tell my story or my version of my story, you know, that sort of a thing. I don't know man, look at the patterns, Jack Perro looks a certain way, Ninja looks a certain way, where's the Snotkov dude, he looks a certain way. These are the motherfuckers that's very successful in the genre, in this thing that we do. Let me ask this, who is Isaac Mutant? <laughs> I don't know who Isaac Mutant is, I'm trying to, f I'm finding out. If I, if I could give you the answer to that, it would have been a boring situation, isn't it? Because if you can define a person in one sentence, or in a few sentences, how boring is that? Isaac Newton is this layered cat, like an onion, an onion is layered, right? Uh, every time you peel one layer, then there's another layer. If you peel this layer, there's another layer, and it gets stronger and stronger the closer you get to the core. Isaac Newton is one layer of Isaac Williams, because you get Jimmy Carter as well, then you get um, the year 17, then you get Ike Deny as well. Isaac Newton just happened to be the main character in this, or the main layer of Isaac Williams. Isaac Newton likes to fucking work on people's nerves because everybody's so uptight about every fucking thing, especially in rock and roll South Africa. You can't say shit. I once said in this, in, in this gig, white people are actually black. They're so black, there wasn't space in the black spectrum that they have to go to, to another spectrum. They're so black and, this, and colored people walked out. I'm like, what the fuck? 
beautiful. I love South Africa and I love fucking with South Africans. With all this problem that we have, how come everybody's so uptight? We should be able to say some shit. And do you think that part of not giving a fuck is also resisting... Um, and the establishment. It's exactly that. It's hip-hop. It's exactly that. Um, hip-hop was one of the core attitudes of hip-hop. It's exactly that. We're going to take what the fuck you, you, um, you gave us. You gave us a turntable. We're going to make an instrument of it. It wasn't created for that purpose. We're going to take your language and make it funky. We're going to take this fucking overalls and fucking turn it into jeans that fucking that you now come check again from us. It's functify shit. And in the establishment, everything that you say is wrong about me, I'm going to functify that. Because of us, because of I'm one of the founding members of Afrikaans rap here. Because of us, we fucking functify this shit. Steve Hofmeyer was the funkiest cat last before us. Funkiest Afrikaans cat. Steve Hofmeyer and he's whack. We made this Afrikaans thing a fucking, we blew, we blew some life into it again. That's what Isaac Newton is exactly. Isaac Newton is this cat from Mitchell's plane that don't give a shit. That's a loudmouth, vulgar. Everything that they, that they said about us, you loudmouth, you vulgar, you have no manners. I'm exactly that. And, uh, but the tad bit with intelligence and not, not giving a fuck. I'm exactly, I'm a product of South Africa. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good uh, definition. So let's talk about Mitchell's Plain. You grew up there. Yeah. You lived your entire childhood in Mitchell's Plain. Yeah. And this was uh, prior to 94? No, prior to 94, I was still on school. That was 94 and after. I think that was like up to, what, 10 years, 15 years ago. They say between 10 and 15 years ago, I still lived in Mitchell's Plain. Okay. I lived about for 10 years, uh, about plus minus in Belgravia with my sister. She was like basically helping me to get back on my feet because I was lost, but I was actually homeless before that. So in 90, up like 94, I matriculated. I still lived there in Mitchell's Plain till about, till about, till about 10, 10 to 15 years ago. Mitchell's Plain used to be a very proud place. Like it started out very proud, proudly Mitchell's Plain, everybody. Now Mitchell's Plain is just a fucking concentration camp. It's a bunch of unemployed people, but I understand because Mitchell's Plain was built on a, on a graveyard. Mitchell's Plain is like the, the getaways. The getaways is the, is the real name for, for, for ghetto. So Mitchell's Plain, all the, all the leftovers of the so-called colored community was dumped there. One of the dumping places was Mitchell's Plain, dumped there. So Mitchell's Plain was, was created for one of those purposes. And it's so sub, it was supposedly unfertile soil. Nothing was supposed to grow from that. Our people made a home out of that shit. So now it's fucking unemployment happening there and everybody's looking at everybody. Everybody's trying to jack every, everything from everybody. It's just, a, and there's four ways of, of coming in. So it's a concentration game. You, you get Spine Road, then you get Ice Lieben, then you get AZ Berman. It's the only ways of getting into, into Mitchell's Plain. It's a fucking concentration camp. It's really what it is. And it's becoming fucking, it's, Jesus Christ, I went there a few, like a, 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 a while ago, it's, yeah, me bro. So now the cut of the train dinges as well, because like, man, they blame the people, you know, for, for stealing the cables. Yeah, now if you're going to leave fucking copper wire in the, in the, in the midst of, co of poverty, what the fuck, it's most a setup, most man. So now there's no transport other than, public transport other than the bus and the taxi. I promise you they're going to cut off the buses as well. So now it's a proper concentration camp. No communications out, no fucking transport in and out. And I feel for my people, my brothers and sisters in there, but get the fuck, my bro, it's my opinion about it. Mitchell Spring is just one of the millions. You know how many people die in Mitchell Spring a week, monthly? And that's just Mitchell Spring. I'm not even talking about Bonteville. It's a fucking genocide. They don't talk about that shit. In Heinzpark, I lived in Heinzpark for a while. I was homeless. Heinzpark people took me in. That's why my first music video was, was shot in Heinzpark. Love Heinzpark. When did you start rapping? I'm on the mic 35 years, my bro. 36 years. I think I started to rap 
nine years old, some ten years old. I started to rap because I wanted to, because I was a fat chubby kid, right? I'm gonna have to do something. Then I saw the first music videos, right? Curtis Blow and Run DMC. Yo, they got all the chicks, man. So I'm like, yo, I'm gonna do that because they get all the chicks, the rappers get all the chicks. That's why I started to rap, really. That's, <laughs> that's funny, it's silly. And I started to smoke cigarettes because I wanted a thick voice, a deep voice, I wanted a deep voice. Oh, what silly reason to start shit? I started to smoke like 12 cigarettes, like 12 years old, 11 or 12, because I wanted to sound the way I sound now. The catch 22 is now you can't fucking breathe any two, every 20 minutes. <laughs> you see the, the silliness of it all. So yeah, that you, you just you just brought the memory back why I started to rap in the first place. Because I was fat, I couldn't move, I didn't, I was not I was not a good dancer. Mm. I was a bad dancer because I'm chubby, I couldn't get the moves. And when did you realize that you're good at this? The first payment I got, I think Emil actually hired us, Emil. I was still with playing madness and I think I hired us for a gig and paid us like 250 or 150. I'm like, fuck. He was one of the he, he was one of the people and D Low that told me, yo, we're actually good at this. And we just started to rap like um and we, uh, this Afrikaans thing, right? So I started this Afrikaans thing because I'm like, fuck you, fuck you. I'm gonna rap the way my people talk, right? So at the Mule's gig, I can't remember, it was somewhere in the retreat or some shit, somewhere in the south. He actually paid us. I'm like, what? For this rap thing, it was still 150. But it was now, you can imagine, it was a lot of money at that time. And I'm like, yo, we're getting paid for this. I just rap the way I speak, but how my people speak. And I'm like, yo, I'm gonna concentrate on this thing. Um, they were the first two people, I think, the very first two people that told me that I was good in this thing. I'm like, for real, because it's Emil. Emil is one of the fucking, you know, the bishops of hip-hop, you know, and D-Lo. D-Lo's are, these guys are fucking, they know what they're talking about. D-Lo was one of the, one of the people that actually, he really supported me in the beginning, in my foundation years. D-Lo actually, he pushed me actually a lot. I have to big up, big up, big up, big up, big D-Lo up for that one. And then it's just, probably your uncle, man. People keep, been keep telling me, um, been telling me, yo, man, you're doping this thing, and, the, and then I didn't need people after that. I keep telling myself, yo, man, you're doping this thing, you know. The... At, at what point was it no longer about just getting girls, and it was about speaking truth to power? I would suppose I got the song. My first popular song is called Sorry Girl. Die number dedicate ik voor hij brazen wat gevat is voor een maas als hij koos twee jaar dood ze voor mij. Dan ze even maken of ze te voelig is voor jou, wat kreeg ze jou, wat pieter of vrouw, sorry girl. Sorry girl, ontdoet ze nog voor mij. Zit daar nog laatst zo lekker beloven. Ze zal voor Ivar samen met mij blijven. Pek in de dag, ik en zij blijven. Dat was mijn first emotional, romantically emotional situation, right? So I made a song about it, a lot of people know about it. That's the first song that people know about. So I suppose after that, one can say I grew up. That was one of the moments that I grew up, right? As a person, as a human. Yeah, but that's also not the right answer though. Because it's always been about a bunch of things. It's not just, it wasn't isolated like that. Because there's this political thing happening in your life. And then there's this fucking growing, growing up thing happening in your life. And then there's this there's gangster thing happening in your life. And then there's the, this romantic thing happening in your life. So it's always, it's parallel, man. It goes hand in hand. Then I think that's the layered thing that makes this onion, this Isaac Newton thing. It was never about one thing. So that's never going to end. And this political thing is never going to end, I, I would suppose, for me personally, because it's, I wouldn't know what to do without all these things, like politi politics and blah, blah, blah. It makes me, me. So that's the, that's the most truthful answer I can give you, a response I can give you with that one. Let's talk about some of these things, some of these, the layers of, of the onion. When your, your mom died, how did that impact Isaac Mutant. 
fucking, you know, I'm a mommy's boy, bro. So I'm a mommy's boy. That's fucking impacted me a more so, bro. I was thinking about that last night, actually. But luckily, in the way that these, th that these things go, I was very blessed if there's such a thing because my mom's had cancer, right? So she, I was prepared. It wasn't a sudden thing. She prepared me ahead of the time. Mm. Yo, this is going to happen, man, and blah, 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 blah. So it didn't come as a shock when it came. But she, so she told me one thing. In Afrikaans, they said, can you sit in your stand? You're going to be okay. I think about that a lot. It, it comforts me. So what my mom was, say, was saying, you'll be okay. You know, you know how to act. You know, you know your shit. So it, it dangles me a lot. How it impacted me. After that, not, not long after my mom's passed, I was homeless. That's how that impacted me. My dad took a new wife the month after my mom's passed. My dad, me and my dad had issues three years after that. He had cancer as well. And he passed um, two years after that, I think. And he passed the third year. And your daughter, Lyric, was born soon after that? Yeah, she was born the year after my mom's passed. My mom's name was Elizabeth. Okay. So my daughter's name is Lyric hyphen Elizabeth. Lyric Elizabeth. Let's talk about some of these other layers of the onion. It seems like one event that had, that was quite impactful on, on Isaac Mutant and your music was the Farm Worker Rebellion. Say, oh, say again? Oh, the Farm Worker Rebellion. In, in uh. the Dwarans, mostly. Mm. Um, how did that impact Isaac Mutant and his music? Since I was born in Friedendal, right, I got people in Friedendal that works on farms as well, you see. So we did that music video um, on the director's parents' farm in, in Oatswurm. Right, and I've met these like these workers, you know, because it's my people, you know, and uh, so um, I spoke to these brass of these people that's in the video. They got paid. They get paid what two hundred rand a week in today's life. That's one of the success stories, like in, in farm workers in the farm as farm workers issues goes today. People just get paid with alcohol today. Alcohol is that's most a setup. Like you can't. They, how can you build a future? You can't build a life on that. You get put, it's like alcoholic, like that's it. Let's talk about the the song that that um, made, that made Afri Forum take you to court. Mm -hmm. Did you imagine? Because I think the song did have an impact. I think so um, too. Did you imagine so. that it would have such an impact? I was surprised about it like, because, like, fuck the police was what nineteen what nineteen eighties things. So I was like, what? Because I said, fuck, you push my line, for real, I couldn't believe it, I couldn't believe it, for real, I was like, but this is then hip-hop, this is then rap, this is the, then the thing that we, you know, that we do, because I was pushed, like, I think, I couldn't believe that that, that, that would happen. I thought we passed that already. I thought we, like, we understood that we're angry, and people are angry, and this is what, this is the nature of hip-hop. And was part of the purpose of the song, was it also to build consciousness amongst farm workers? Truthfully, no. I didn't even think of, of that, to build consciousness, because like the moment I wrote it, it was like farm owners are the fucking enemy. You know what, what one, this one guy interviewed me, um, Roger, Roger Young, he's a very good friend of mine. He used to be, a very, yeah, he's still a very good friend of mine. I just don't see him a lot. Yeah. With the guy that interviewed me for Rolling Stone Mag. So he said something very dope. He said, um, yo man, you've been talking about the prob uh, problems of your, of your peoples. Now you have the attention of the media, so you're the mouthpiece of these people that, that, that don't have the opportunity to moan about the, the problems, you see. So that's how I initially, it just reminded me of that. That's initially how I wrote that song, just like, okay, cool, I got a lot, there's a lot of people that listen to, to me, you know, to Isaac Mutant, to listen, I got a lot of fans. Talk about these things, man, talk about these things, we're the journalists of the street. 
I like to think um, MCs are the journalists of the street. Talk about this, like street grassroots level, you know, talk about the things that's happening and get it out so people are aware of it. Awareness, yeah. I never thought farm workers would even listen to the song, hear mm. the song. So uh, that was, that came as a surprise. I followed a lot of the media around it. Mm. And my impression was that the media reporting was very skewed against you. I think the political context of the time was still that of rainbownism, mm. of the Rainbow Nation. Mm. And your song shattered that. And Lanyo Puss forced us to put our society on trial. Who's us, the, the South African society? South African, mm. the society that we thought existed. Mm. Um, this very romantic society that we thought existed on mm. trial. And I think for me, that was the biggest impact that mm. the song had. It told us that this shit still exists. I like that. That's probably, probably uh, you just put into words basically what the motive or the motivation behind um, mm, the idea behind it was. That was actually the, the, the mood when I, when I wrote it, I think. The controlling um, elite, the people that created or create this, this situation wants the situation to stay like this. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself. It was, it was really that. It was, it was really mot motivated by that, from that um, mood or from that feeling, emotion. Another part of this onion layer, um, an event that seems to have impacted your music, was the, the uprising that took place here. Yeah. Yeah. How did how did that impact? Yo, that's actually yo, bro, like the yo, 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 oh, oh, yo, Maybe yo, first tell us about the uprising. Okay, what happened was, what I understand, the year after the, I think I'm not sure if I was on tour, but I got, came here the year, two years after the uprising, the 2010 uprising, right? So every time I came from Europe, I would come here and I would crash at the, at the spot for like a week or two weeks to wash myself off from Europe, you know, all this bullshit that I went through. So I told him, yo, man, I heard of this, I heard of this film, um, Uprising. So he said, I have it, yo, I have it. Yo, let me see, let me see, let me see that thing, because I'm about our people's struggles and stuff, and there's very few visible things, you know, out there about our stuff. So I'd like to see more stuff. So I saw that, that, that film that night, then I started to cry that night. I never saw my people unite like that. It's old aunties, rastas, gangsters, you know, resisting police. And it, it was Metropolis at the time. Alan Zilla came with Metropolis. The official story was, she said, rastas are selling drugs. And I don't know what that got to do with like her breaking down houses, right? And then the other story was um, people shouldn't build behind the fire brick. But when you stand here on this mountain, that fire brick keeps moving up, 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 up and up. You see, everybody, Everybody in this place united and they, and they resisted against this police force with stones and rocks, me bro. I never saw that in my life. I couldn't believe what I'm seeing on, that, on the screen that day. What? Never in my life I saw my people united like that. That same night I told uh, Overdose, yo man, I'm gonna move to Outbury. I'm gonna move to Outbury one day, someday. That night I decided that shit. Angerberg Uprising is the reason why I'm here. What? Check out my people is uniting for real. That, was been, that has been the dream, was, you know, it was just a pipe dream to witness that. And that's just on screen. Can you imagine to experience that? That was that night I decided I'm going to come and love you. I want to be part of that. And I'm here now. And you experienced that? Yes, yeah. man. Cops has been here a few times. At least we feel, I feel like, like I'm doing something and it's not the ghost I'm fighting and it's not chasing my own tail. It feels productive or progressive. 
and it might be silly and it might be Neanderthal, whatever you want to fucking call it, but it feels like I did something. Yeah, I feel like I did something. Because oh, these, this fucking war is controlled. It's a manipulation. They know what they do because they're going to come work on the people's nerves and blah, 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 because it's deeper than that. We know it's spiritual. We need deep in, the, in, in this war, bro. You said the other reason that you came here was to understand where you come from. Yes. I've learned a lot, of, and I'm learning a lot. I don't know, I don't want to quote, because I'm, it's still stuff I need to digest and whatnot. Apparently, from the one film that I saw, Saki Bartman is from Outbay. So Outbay has a long history of Kwa people. It's pronounced Kwa. It's just spelled different, like K-H-O-I, K-H-O-E, but it's actually it's pronounced Kwa. So, so Angbeer's people, as a, as a, it's traceable lineages. So these people, there's, there's history here. So a lot of people know their history. And they can trace, and they know where the tribes branched off. So you can trace it back here. A lot of the older people especially knows, and they are uh, very knowledgeable about that. They've been teaching me about who, really who I am. I don't have the, the luxury of going to Friedenau back and forth. Friedenau, because money, transport, everything. So this is the next best thing. People have been telling me about who I am and where I come from and what's the tribal connection. I grew up in Mitchell's Plain, so I grew up dumb. Like I said earlier, my mom's is like 100% qua. Like they would say, what not, my grandmother, but I grew up in Mitchell's Plain, I'm dumb. Um, I'm a cross between uh, my mom, my dad's people is uh, Mus partly Muslim, I, I heard. So I'm really a bastard, a bastard, a combination of all that. A lot of your, your journey yeah. seems to be about unpeeling this onion that you speak about and throwing it in the world's face. I don't know, man. Like, 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 there's this vegetable field or fruit field. There's this field full, full of life, metaphorically speaking. I just happened to see um, onions got to say too. And uh, I actually, you know what I advocate? Having a voice and having an opinion, even if it's wrong, people don't have to like it, but we should respect each other. And we should respect the fact that everybody has a voice. You were created with a voice. You were created with an opinion. And uh, your history says, your, your background makes you, gives you your opinion. Everybody, no, everybody's unique. Everybody's background is different. Everybody has different walks. Yeah. That gives you an opinion. Even if it's wrong, even if it's right, who decides that? But you have an opinion and we should respect it. That's what I advocate. Because a lot of us, we've been trained too much to be silent and accept everything. And you chose to do that through, through hip-hop. Mm. And right. your, your, your lyrics are anti-establishment, your lyrics are unruly, mm. your lyrics are genius. Thank you. I like to think so myself. <laughs> they are. Your lyrics are genius. Can you take us through the, the process of writing down these lyrics, your creative process? Yeah, it's a difficult question. For real. There's no one method. And this is going to sound arrogant, I'm not even trying to sound arrogant, but I really think I was blessed, man, you know? I was born for this thing. So, inspiration strike at any time. Let me put it to you like this. There was one time in my life that I didn't hear anything. I was going through heavy things in my life. And I had this one brother, is my, he was my, almost like my brother. He asked me, like, um, yo, Isaac, never, what's up? How come you look like that? And I told him, yo, man, I can't hear anything. And I was surprised by that sentence. So he asked me, what do you mean? I told him, like, I, for the first time in my life, I realized that I hear stuff all the time because of the absence of it. I never knew that I hear stuff all the time. There's stuff happening in my mind all the time. I was born for this thing. 
So, and he asked me, yo, for real? I said, yeah. So he's like, how does that feel? You look fucking lost. And I told him, but it feels like, I can imagine what death feels like. It feels worse than death. It feels like I'm not, it feels, you've been dumped before, right? So the person that you're in love with, it feels like that person removed. So it's amplified. Like, it's almost like I, I, I would, I can imagine being removed from God. You see, it's worse than death. That's just to give you an indication of what happens in my mind all the time. And that's when I realized that, you see. I dreamt a few, few songs. There's the song Dirty. I woke up, yo, I just had this, I, I just had a dream about this fucking song. Let me just write it down before I forget it. I don't know, I can't, there's no method. Shit comes to me. But then sometimes I would mathematically work, work out the song as well. Yo, that's a dope idea. I need to work on this thing, work it out like that. Sometimes, sometimes. There is no one method. If something just sounds dope, yo, that's a dope idea for a song. The one song, um, Freak No Evil, is on my second album. So I was like, yo, I'm going to try to prove theory wrong. So I used to, had to work it out mathematically. So the theory was on, in freak, on, on freak No Evil, prove the yin-yang theory wrong. And then I went in, mathematical about it. My daughter on the other hand, and yo, and I know every MC thinks his fucking daughter is the shit. My daughter, I was very blessed with Lyric. Lyric, I was never scared in my life for any MC, which makes me think then, what, what does that mean? Does the hip hop jump to DNA shit? That's like the, she's 16 now, she was a genius rapper, when she was like, what, five, six? I was never nervous for anybody, she makes me nervous. So I started to think about that, did it jump from, did it become DNA, did it become physical, this hip hop thing? So now, which brings me back to me, so what? What does that mean? For you, Isaac. So, so recently I just started to let go. Stop, stop theorizing everything. Stop tripping, analyzing everything. So I just like let it come. I haven't, I don't write like I used to. I used to be a machine, like 30 tracks a day I used to write. Now I don't do that anymore. I haven't written like since like two weeks ago. And I, I used to get nervous about that. So what's happening? What's happening? Am I, is the storm done? What, what, is that? what the fuck's happening? At this age, you always get nervous about that shit. And I've released, man, it's natural, be easy, you're in a different space in your life. So when it comes, then it comes. When there's money involved, it's always a good motivator, right? Yeah, looking forward to Lyric's first album, debut album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So C Cape Town yeah. is, is where hip-hop in this country was born. Started from community art movements, mostly in the Cape Flats. Mm. Started with b-boying, mm. with DJing, with graffiti yeah. and emceeing. Mm. And from there emerged cats from Prophet of the City, yes. Black Noise, many others along mm, the way. Lunation and all those cats, yeah. Isaac Mutant played an incredible role in shaping and transforming hip-hop culture, not just in the city, but in the country. Ah, thanks for that. How do you think, or what do you think is the state of hip-hop culture in the city, in Cape Town right now? Cape Town hip-hop is in a bad state. There's almost, it's almost non-existent. It, on the underground it exists, right? On a cultural level it exists. It's fucking everywhere. It's fucking it's big. But there's no infrastructure for various reasons. I'm not a business person, but there is no infrastructure. Other people will, will, will complain about media support, right? 
But I don't, I'm done complaining, you see. There's a lot of our, of our people within the circumference of hip-hop that, um, that studied media and, and, and that does different things. So it's, it's up to us where we, it's up to me where I'm gonna be tomorrow. So do what the fuck you need to do to do, you know? So, but uh, hip-hop was disappointed the South African audience, uh, Cape Townian audience. That's why we don't get support from South, uh, Cape Townians. There was a time when Cape Town hip-hop really flourished. Long Street was, cats was fucking bootlegging the CDs. Up and down, you just see MCs like just bootlegging the CDs. Fuck the record label, man. I'm gonna do this thing myself, you know, independent. From here, from there, you know, MCs. And it was a beautiful moment for me because like, we took, took the bull by the horns and we actually made music. Um, even if it was not broadcasting quality, it's like bedroom fucking studios like we do. But we made music that people were interested in. Currently, people are not coming to hip hop shows because people, uh, people don't like um, hip hop that we're doing, rap that we're doing right now. We, people are not interested in the music that we're doing and you can't blame people because we're not, it's, it's not interesting, it's boring as fuck. You see, we're not, we're not representing who the fuck we are. We're representing what we see on television because, and it makes sense, it's natural, because I'm, I can't be me because I'm not going to sell. I'd rather be like one of these millionaires because that sells, because clearly they know what it's talking about. So now everybody's imitating these millionaires, but you see that those millionaires were molded after their society. It's, they cater for their society, you know? We're not from there, so we're from here, cater for our society for who the fuck we are. People can identify with that. The Jamaicans got that right. We used to be like that. I currently, we sound like Americans. We're musicians, we're artists. We need to talk about oh, these, these possibilities and problems. It's our material. We, we, we're the journalists of the street. We, where we are is we're exactly where we're supposed to be. Whatever happens after that is gonna come out of this, you see. Everybody goes through a Genesis period, Exodus, and all these periods. We have to go through the things that we go through. I know we, we, we have a lack of resources, right? Take your phone, it's stronger than 10 years ago's fucking cameras, you know? That's my problem with Cape Town hip-hop. Everybody, everybody fucking moans, everybody wants to be spoon-fed and everybody fucking moans about nothing and not work. And what's the future of Isaac Newton looking like? I'm just gonna keep being dope. I'm just gonna, Isaac Newton is just gonna be a fucking Isaac Newton, man, and give a middle finger proudly, middle finger high up in the air, proudly. So the future, the immediate future of Isaac Newton is I'm, I'm busy with my solo album again. Uh, and I'm gonna keep reminding everybody that this is Cape Flash. You need to fucking stand behind the fucking the, the, your words. We're in Cape Town and we're in South Africa and we're in Africa. I'm gonna remind everybody, yo, how is it possible that one person is hungry in this country? Where does he live then on Mars? At the end of all that anger, one love is the really is really the solution. Love makes sense. It makes scientific sense. It makes political sense and it makes fucking sense. One love. Emperor Eilish Lassai. This has been Voices of the City. I'm your host, Minhaj Jina. This episode was produced by Amina Deka Asma and Volume. Join us next week for another episode where another voice of the city will continue to take us on the journey of exploring race, history and resistance through hip-hop culture in Cape Town. Volume.